Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10, called The Deliverer is Born. The family of Levi became the priestly family of Israel. Aaron, Moses' older brother, became the high priest. By the way, Aaron is three years older than uh, Moses. And notice that both parents are from that tribe. If you want a little bit more on the tribe, you can look at Exodus chapters 28 through 30 and Numbers chapter 1, verses 49 through 51. This particular tribe took care of the tabernacle, the furnishings, etc. They were the uh, go-between between God and the nation. And the woman, we know that she is Yoshebed, conceived, verse 2, and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful, if you have an ESV, NIV, a fine child, she hid him for three months. Now, any male that was born was to be thrown into the Nile River. And you can imagine the desperation of the women at this time to find unique ways to hide their children. When a baby is first born, I suppose it's a little easier because they're not moving around. Uh, really, you could place them somewhere, and if you keep them you know, kind of fed and, and okay, maybe they cry less, and it's a little easier. And we would imagine at this time that there was probably sweeps happening by the Egyptian army, and they were coming through Goshen, where the Israelites were, and they were doing regular sweeps to try to discover male children that were born. And it almost is reminiscent of the babies that were killed, the males two and under in Bethlehem. Sweeps done by the Roman army, and they would take the children and kill them. And this is obviously a very heavy and difficult time. And so, like any parent would do, she was doing what she could to hide the child to keep him from dying. And, you know, can you imagine everyday life in that kind of circumstance for somebody like Yoshebed? And by the way, she comes to the forefront of the story, even though Amram was certainly in agreement, but he probably had to go off every day and do what? He was in slavery, in bitter, probably long, torturous hours, building cities for the Pharaoh. So all of a sudden, you know, he had to go off and maybe he was gone for weeks at a time. We don't know. And he went off in the, uh, you know, building the, the, doing the bricks and the mud dance or whatever he had to do, the taskmaster. And so Yoshebed was left to try to find a way to protect this child. You can imagine everyday life had to be so challenging. And so she saw that he was a fine child and she hid him for three months. Risky uh, business, uh, no doubt, but this is what she did. Moses was not their first child, she was, uh, nor was he their first son. They had Miriam, write down Exodus fifteen twenty as a reference. They had Aaron, who was three years older than Moses. That's Exodus 7, 7. From the narrated, narrative, it would appear that Miriam was the oldest because, remember, she's the one that's Uh, walking along to see what's going to happen to Moses and engages the princess. So there are scholars that believe she's maybe as much as 12 years old. So it's kind of interesting to just look at the family. These are the, the kids that we know about. And this is the boy that is born now at this point. Moses's mother saw that he was beautiful. 
Sometimes people look at this and say, well, what if he was ugly? <laughs> you know, every baby born into our families is the most beautiful baby that's ever been, you know, created. But to be real, if sometimes we've looked at babies and said, beautiful is not the first word that comes to mind. Can I get a witness? Nobody wants, anyway, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> So is that the only reason that she protected him? Well, he's cute, so maybe we should let him survive. <laughs> no, no, that's not what's going on here. I was reading one commentator, and he said that the language is a Hebrew idiom. You can take this for what you will. And it means to care about the child, to be fond of, or to desire to protect and keep him. But I will tell you, there's a parallel passage, and I want you to hold your place in Exodus and go over to the book of Acts and take a look. I think you could see the parents' side, the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, chapter 7, Stephen's sermon, and see uh, God's side here, the parents' side. They obviously loved him and wanted to protect him. Here's a little bit from the other perspective. Acts seven seventeen. But at, But as the time of the promise was approaching, Acts seven seventeen which God had assured to Abraham, the people increased and multiplied in Egypt. Now, he's recounting this story to the religious leadership. Until Acts seven eighteen, there arose another king over Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. And it was he who took shrewd advantage of our race, the Jews, and mistreated our fathers so that they would expose their infants and they would not survive. And it was at this time that Moses was born, Acts seven twenty. And what's your Bible say? He was lovely in the sight of God. He was beautiful in God's sight. And he was nurtured three months in his father's home. And after he had been exposed, that is probably here knowledge of his existence, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own son. You can imagine the heart-wrenching decisions that Yoshebed had to make when she realized she could hide him no longer, what should she do? What would you do? What would you do if such a modern day edict existed and you were trying to find a way to protect your baby? This is heart-wrenching stuff. But I want you to see that Moses was beautiful in God's sight. And I believe that every child is beautiful in God's sight because we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. And the narrative of the Bible, the reality of biblical truth says that you are made in the image of God. Let's turn back to the book of Exodus. Amen. You are not an accident of evolutionary chance. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 139 is something to write down because that's what I'm quoting from. And God weaves us together in our mother's womb and he has a plan. And no, I don't understand every angle of that, but Moses has come into the world and God has a purpose, a special purpose for his life. Exodus 2, 3 says, when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket. If you have a King James or New King James, it says an ark of bulrushes. She covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. If you take a look uh, for a moment at the slide for this morning, uh, and just a quick note, 
my beautiful wife does all these creations that you see. Uh, if you ever wondered what Brenda Lance does for Living Truth Christian Fellowship, she is definitely a behind-the-scenes gal. Uh, oftentimes when I pull her up here, she's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, come on. Come on up. You're pretty, and I want to show you off. And Come on. But this is the work of the beautiful Brenda Lance, and she does our website and our app stuff and creates all these wonderful graphics that make us all look really good. And usually about, yeah, go ahead and clap for her because she might. I'm going to have her watch this later because I will get extra points for what I'm doing now. This is all self-motivated. No, just kidding. But anyway, um, what was I saying? I don't even remember. But uh, this will give you an idea. I looked up some pictures of the Nile River, and this is actually a picture from the Nile. So this will give you an idea of what it meant to place a basket uh, among the reeds of the Nile. The Nile, to my knowledge, is the longest river in the world. Uh, I told you a little bit about what the view of the Nile was. They saw it as a god. And so she covers this. She takes a little basket. She covers it with tar and pitch to make it waterproof. And she put it, she put Moses into it and placed it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. That photo behind me will show you pretty closely to what that looked like. I thought for a moment, you know, Moses is writing this years later. I wonder how many times he cried when he wrote this. I don't know if she's still around at this point, but have you ever thought back to And, you know, I'm obviously going on the positive side. Some of you have had some rough times with moms and dads. But if you can think of the tender care that uh, mom extended your way. And I, I, I don't know how Moses actually wrote this. Because it was happening to him. He was the baby. And he wrote the first five books of our Bible. And I think it's good for us to honor those who have done big and little things in our lives to keep us safe. And I, my own conjecture, maybe he paused and cried. She closed the lid. A little reading between the lines perhaps gave him a final kiss. The account is saturated with tenderness. When she laid her baby down, she was, one writer says she was tucking her heart inside the basket. This had to go against every motherly instinct in her soul. And perhaps she prayed something like this. Cover him, O Lord. I don't know what else to do, but give him back to you. Surely the parents of Moses took him to the last spot that carnal reasoning would suggest. Amen. Why put the child in the place where the Pharaoh said to throw the babies? Why would anybody do that? This is the place where they were drowning the Hebrew babies. Why would you put him there? Well, maybe she thought if he lay among the reeds, no one would suspect, and maybe there was a way to keep the basket, you know, positioned so that they could 
still keep an eye on him and you know, bring him in when the sweeps weren't happening, I don't know. But in a literal sense, Moses' mother did exactly what the Pharaoh said to do. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Pharaoh said to throw the babies. Why would anybody do that? This is the place where they were drowning the Hebrew babies. Why would you put him there? Well, maybe she thought if he lay among the reeds, no one would suspect, and maybe there was a way to keep the basket you know, positioned so that they could still keep an eye on him and you know, bring him in when the sweeps weren't happening. I don't know. But in a literal sense, Moses' mother did exactly what the Pharaoh said to do. She put her son into the river. <laughs> However, she took care to make him a waterproof basket and strategically floated him on the river. Do you know that the word basket here is only used in one other place in the Bible. And you know what it's used for? The Ark of Noah. And since Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, scholars see an intentional pointing and parallel between Moses' little floating ark and the Ark of Noah, who prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Not only for his family, eight souls and all, but animals too. (laughs) Now, there was no little puppy on board in this basket, but the point is that there's a connection in the language. The Hebrew word for ark is teba. If you're interested, T-E-B-A-H, also spelled T-E-B-H-A, used only here in the Bible and of Noah's ark. You can find it multiple times in Genesis 6.14 through Genesis 9.18. 18. Moses' basket was a miniature version of the large seaworthy papyrus boat, says one writer referenced in the book of Isaiah. Moses is drawing us to a direct parallel. 
I want you to just look at one verse in Genesis. It's Genesis 6. Turn over there. Just the book before. Genesis 6. Take a look as Moses records the flood of Noah. And the question is, do you have flood insurance? I hope you do. I hope you have flood insurance. People have insurance for everything these days, don't they? But they, many people don't have the most important insurance of all. Do you know where you're going when you die? Do you know the one who made the way? Some people say, oh, when I get older, I'll figure that kind of stuff out right now. Sowing my wild oats, whatever sowing your oats means, I don't know. I'll worry about that stuff, you know, I'll get religious later. Here's what Genesis 6.14 says. Make for yourself an ark, Tibah, of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it. This is the Hebrew word kafar, where we get the idea of atonement. We have a holiday in, on the Jewish calendar called Yom, Yom Kippur, coming from kafar. Cover the ark inside and out with what? With pitch. And so it is interesting to think about this and turn back to Exodus and let me just explain for a moment. The ark in the Hebrew picture language, what Moses would have originally written, the symbols of Hebrew, tevah, this is what it literally means in the picture. It is the house of the sign or the house of the cross because the last letter in this sentence moving from right to left looks like a cross. The ark of Noah was a floating boat of atonement. Everybody understand? You know what atonement literally means in the Hebrew picture language? It means to cover the mouth. Here's the, this is the picture. When someone could speak a word out uh, of you of condemnation in a court of law, they've got the evidence. They could say you're guilty. They could speak it out. They cover their mouth. They don't speak it out. Rather, they hide it. To cover the ark connects to the idea of atonement, covering it with uh, pitch and tar, sealing it, if you will. Later, the Israelites will be sealed behind the door of the blood of the lamb. And just as Noah's ark was a floating boat of salvation pointing to Jesus Christ, who is our ark, so Moses floats on the Nile. The only other use of this Hebrew word a little floating basket of salvation. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Covered by the loving arms and hands of his mom as she covered it with tar and pitch. And do you know that right now, your sin, if you're in Christ, has been atoned for? Do you know that you're covered? Do you know that God is no longer seeing you in your sin because your sin is under the blood and has been washed away, wiped away? Your sin has been atoned for by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is our ark of salvation, amen? He covers us. He cleanses us from all sin. And Moses is in this little ark a boat of salvation. And mom releases him to God. It was an act of faith. You say, well, if they were not afraid of the king's edict, why did they hide Moses? 
I think they knew God was in control, but I also think that we need to do everything we can, despite knowing that God is in control, to do our best with what we have. And she did her best. And she placed him in control of God. Hebrews 11, 6 and 7 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith Noah, that first ark, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. In reverence, he prepared an ark. And I, I see Yoshebed praying the whole time she's putting the pitch and tar on this. She goes and gets the basket. She prepares the basket like a loving cradle. She does what she could. She might have prayed something like this. Lord, as you saved Noah and his family by the ark, would you take this mini ark that I prepared in reverence to you and save our child, save our family, save this nation? There's some extra biblical uh, writings that say that maybe the parents had an idea of who Moses was. We don't know for sure. But as she set him among the reeds, I would imagine that one of her prayers was something like this. Lord, would you bring him back to me? I'm going to let him go, but would you bring him back to me? Psalm 32, 7 says, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 119, 114 says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. Corrie ten Boom, who uh, also hid Jews with her family, wrote a book called The Hiding Place. She shared a story of hiding her Bible under her thin prison uniform and asking God to hide her with his angels. And somehow the German guards did not see that Bible. That was a miracle. And so she prepared the little ark and she said, Oh God, save him, save our nation. Whatever prayer she prayed, God floated their salvation right to Pharaoh's doorstep. Because <laughs> you guys know what? It's going to happen, right? Pharaoh's daughter of all people is going to see this thing. And God works all things together for good to those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. You've been listening to The Deliverer is Born, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, are you in need of prayer or guidance? Sometimes getting through the week has its challenges, and we have pastors ready to hear what you have to say. Whatever you're going through, please call us. Walk in Truth has pastors on staff ready to talk to you Tuesdays through Fridays during normal daytime business hours. Please call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, you may be asking the question, now, how is it that Moses' mom got to take care of him in his early years? How did this all work out? Does this make the story seem fanciful or false? Actually, it's the marvel and the sovereignty of God. That's what we would say. The sister followed. Um, she asked the Pharaoh's daughter, hey, do you, do you want 
this this uh, lady to take care of the child, and she did, and God used it all. See, God is providential. He, when he wants something to happen, it will happen. No one can thwart him. No one can reverse what he has planned. And so you may say, well, that seems kind of miraculous. Oh, precisely. That's the God we're dealing with in the book of Exodus, and for that matter, the whole Bible, a God of miracles. Don't ever forget that. Hey, if you live outside the Southern California area, you're not within driving distance to come to Living Truth in the city of Corona. You can always check us out and worship with us on our YouTube channel. We record, we uh, actually live stream the 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning services and our Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. So if you can't get to church for some reason, you can always join us. But remember, I want to encourage you to be part of a body, be part of the body of Christ locally. But if all else fails and you can't make it, you can connect with us. And remember, uh, if you don't live stream live with us right when 1030 hits or 7 p.m. on a Wednesday, the messages, the services are up on YouTube and you can always catch them later and supplement what you're getting from your local church. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. We'll see you right here next time. God bless. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $20 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10, called The Deliverer is Born. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a fantastic weekend, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.